Welcome to the Orbit of Venus podcast. My name is Jane Archer, and I am your host. This is a space we will explore all the ways in which Venus orbits our own lives. Beyond just a planet in the sky and a popular feminine archetype commonly seen throughout history and cultures across the world, Venus represents all things beauty, radiance, creativity, embodiment, relationship, aesthetic, expression, what we value, mother nature, pleasure, and ultimately love. Together we will dive deep into the many sacred mysteries, teachings, and topics of all things Venus. Welcome to the orbit of Venus. Welcome home. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Orbit of Venus. This is episode three and wow, I am just have been really overwhelmed and humbled and honored to receive the huge welcome, huge for me, (laughs) just of this launch of this podcast and this journey. I've been receiving so many beautiful messages and people sharing and subscribing and just general excitement around this topic and this theme. I was kind of not expecting this, so I just feel excited. I feel like that's such a general statement, but I truly am. I feel a buzz around it, and I'm excited every time I get to sit down and talk to you guys and tune in and put love into this project. So... I really just want to take these little intros before the episodes to kind of connect with you guys and get to know you and you can get to know me. I know it's a one-way conversation right now, but I'm going to pretend like it's not. And yeah, and just kind of set up the episode. So I'm currently on my couch under a ton of blankets because it's still winter in LA. And even though our winters are very mild, when you've been here for a while, your temperature skin starts to get really wussy. (laughs) I'm from Reno, Tahoe area. And so whenever I go home in the wintertime, my family looks at me like, what is your problem? It's nice outside and I'm home under like 90 pounds of blankets. But that's not why I called. I am here right now for a different reason. So today's episode, I am so excited about, and I feel just really honored to have it be at the top of our series because it's with a dear, dear friend of mine, Madeline Giles. And I met Madeline a few years ago in Venice, California at one of her workshops. She's the creator and the founder of Angelic Breath Healing. And she is has just been an incredible connector in my life. She's introduced me to one of my best friends, Becca, who we'll have on later. Um, I've gone to her retreats up at Mount Shasta. She has introduced me to some of the most profound books I've ever read. So I really feel like Madeline is like one of those stars in the skies, in the sky that you look to, who kind of connects a lot of the dots for you. And I just feel like she plays that role in a lot of people's lives. She's such a wealth of information and she really moves through the world with her heart. And she has been a huge expander for me on how to live authentically with, through and with the codes of her own heart and how to live true to herself. And so I have just been really honored that life has brought her into my, into my world or into my orbit <laughs> to be on brand. So 
What called me to Madeline initially is the word angelic breath healing, because I'm also a breathwork teacher. I have that history behind me, but I've always been drawn to angels. And angels, not in the sense of the religious connotation, but angels have always, but angels more as, as like this benevolent presence of, of love. And I have always, like growing up, my mom would talk about uh, guardian angels, and I was a total dork, and I would watch Touched by an Angel, and um, I was always fascinated by the idea that there is a presence outside of me, or, you know, I guess you could say angels live inside of us, it's just all perspective, but that there are, that there is another realm of beings or of intelligence I guess you could say, that is here simply to help us. So it always has like piqued my interest. And I have actually over the years had a lot of really beautiful, subtle, profound experience with the angelic realms where I know firsthand that they are very much here. They're very much with us and they're talking to us and they're working with us on our behalf. And so I was drawn to the idea of blending breathwork in order to connect to the angelic realms. And that's exactly what Madeline does. And she does it in such a universal way, such a gentle way. But every time I go to one of her workshops or one of her breathwork sessions, it's just like new information uh, rises to the surface within my own self. And it's like a picture show or it's like I download a new chapter and I'm able to read it in these sessions uh, that my heart is wanting me to know. And it's um, it's like I get to plug into this greater space via working with the angels. And so, you know, it's just like the plant kingdom. I like to view it as there are so many dimensions and there's so many different aspects to reality. And my little brain, as I see it, I say little because in the grand spectrum of existence, like our brains are probably quite small compared to what really is or small in the sense that it's like taking a teacup to the ocean. It's like our brains can only comprehend and hold so much. It's like the whole ocean can't fit in the teacup. <laughs> and so I really feel like there's a lot more to life that I just have no capacity to fully understand. And I feel as if, you know, I'm looking outside my window right now at the trees and it's just like the plant kingdom is its own realm, its own species, its own existence, its own its, its own intelligence. Uh, same with the animal kingdom, humans, the galaxies, the universe, the oceans. I really feel that there's also more realms that we can't see with the naked eye, uh, but we can definitely feel and tune into. And one of them is the angelic realm. And certain cultures and belief systems have personified these realms via angels being human beings or Archangel Michael, who's one of my favorite, and Madeline will go deeper into that. But there are these intelligences that we can tap into and we can utilize and we can ask to help us. And my experience is that they want to be asked and they want to be a beautiful tool in our lives to help us remember who we really are, to assist us in our earthly mission. And so that is why I brought Madeline on today so we can kind of dive deep into her story, her background, and angels mean to her and how they've helped her in her life. And then consequently, how she's developed this beautiful breathing technique and process to connect to our own angels. And so that is it in a nutshell. This episode is for you from many topics. We, we talk about compassion and she says that compat or she speaks to compassion being a word that she's really focusing on right now. Compassion for herself, for the human experience, for all parts of us. We speak about 
career changes and being in a job that, or, you know, finally reaching a point that you thought was your lifelong dream or a job or a career, and then getting there and realizing that it's not and having the courage to pivot into something totally new, different, unknown. We speak about being contacted by spirits and how it could feel kind of scary if you don't she shares a story about being contacted by a spirit and then how to how she was able to navigate that when she had less languaging and awareness around those realms. Yeah, we just really go into a lot of different areas. We talk about Mount Shasta, which is where she leads retreats once a year. And we go really deep into the sacred mysteries and teachings of Mount Shasta, which is a mountain in Northern California, which I'll let her explain is quite magical. So I really just invite you to sit back, relax. If angels feels like a strange or a heavy term to you, to open your mind, to set everything that is in your brain aside and just receive Madeline's story with an open heart. And um, I'll link all of her information below. And she offers online ways to connect to her so you don't just have to be in Southern California. Yeah, she's just a dear, dear friend. And truly, I believe she's like a living angel on earth here reminding us all. So on that note, I will let Madeline and I take it away. Enjoy this episode. Again, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe below to share us with your family and friends and give us a rating because it will help us elevate to the next level. So yes, enjoy. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Orbit of Venus. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Madeline and I are located in Los Angeles, California, and she is currently in Topanga. So we're getting special mountain vibes from Madeline. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I always say the canyons like in the world of LA, but not of it, which I really appreciate personally. And I can fully attest that Madeline has the most amazing house in Topanga where she's living right now. It's like a little oasis. So if you haven't, yeah, I I recommend people. Anyway, we'll get to social media stuff at the end, but (laughs) I digress. So for people that don't know you, if you just want to give a brief intro into who you are and what your work is and possibly talk about your upbringing and cultural background. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let me (laughs) take out my my portfolio. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, my name is Madeline and I first and foremost, just, just the essence of anything I share is with this intention of, of compassion of that's really been a thread in my own life. Compassion for myself, Mm -hmm. compassion for the human experience, those teachers and friends and loved ones who have extended compassion to me have really influenced everything that I've cultivated and um, shared into these forms of offerings. And for the last five years or so, I've been sharing what's called angelic breath healing. And that is a breathwork meditation with the invitation to to connect with angels. Mm-hmm. And to me, angels are messengers of our hearts. They are in harmony with that presence of compassion. And I just in sharing angelic breath healing, I've also been, I have my master's in spiritual psychology, which has given both like a practice 
in my own life, Mm. but also what I'm sharing with others is learning this, this context of what it means to be a soul having a human experience and to really lean into life as, as this framework for learning. And it's helped personally, it's helped take me from why is this happening to being able to navigate through the challenges, both personally and um, things that are experienced in a more broader, like cultural collective kind of consciousness and moving with it in a way where it doesn't, where I feel like there's more space and freedom and meaning to this whole human experience. I would love to know more about the breath and how you stumbled upon it and then how you got to angelic breath healing, but I'll rewind. So where were you born and raised and were you born into a religious family? Was spirituality a part of your upbringing? Was it something later in life? Yeah. So I was born, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago called Naperville. It was once voted um, the safest place to raise a kid, (laughs) Wow. um, which in elementary school was kind of a big deal, but we also all rolled our eyes at it as well. Yeah. yeah, I didn't grow up in a super religious family. We did, I did go to church and like, we weren't super religious in any way. My, I'd say my mom was definitely introduced concepts of spirituality and like prayer. And I've, ever since I was a child, I've had fears around, around sleeping at night. So my mom would tell me to call in the angels and that the angels were watching over me, Mm. but I didn't really, I don't know. I still felt scared going to sleep to be honest. So But I did have that kind of, it was an open-ended invitation to experience like the divine or experience God as a presence of support and as a presence period in, in life. And I did like pray a lot growing up, but it wasn't, it was more of a personal thing. It's not like something that I really talked to my friends about or... Mm -hmm. I don't know, socially, I wasn't involved in like religious kind of, I know there's a lot of, especially growing up, like religious community groups for Mm -hmm. youth or for kids and stuff. I was never really a part of that. Mm -hmm. I did like as a child, I read some near-death experience books when I was like eight or nine. Wow. And that was like, I read this book called Embraced by the Light and Mm -hmm. reading that book really changed changed my life then. I mean, I did, I remember telling one of my best friends at the time, like, I can't wait to die because heaven's the best place ever. (laughs) Because (laughs) it's just (laughs) reading, reading about in this book, this woman who has this near death experience and how she's in this like beautiful place and meeting her soul family and like all these friends that were on the other side. And it just, I think it opened up like a memory for me in a Mm. way, not in a way where I wanted to like leave my life, but in a way where I I felt deeply connected to something beyond just what we see in the everyday. Mm. And that, I don't know, that, that stayed with me, but going into my teenage years and stuff, it wasn't again, like religion, prayer, that was not at the forefront of my life. And it wasn't until I was in college that really I had this 
kind of life altering experience that led me to angels in this in more of an experiential way. I will say a few years prior, just to give a, a context, in when I was in high school, my mom went through um, breast cancer treatment. Oh wow! And yeah, so she's fine now. That was like you know over ten years ago, but that she had a bit huge kind of a spiritual awakening through that experience and became a, a life coach and started uh, reading a lot of spirituality books. And she had actually recommended the book Conversations with God to mm, me around beautiful. that time. Yeah. So that book, I think for a lot of people, that book has been like a doorway into a different perspective. And it definitely was for me. Mm-hmm. And but even still, it was like I was going through the just being a teenager and going to college and partying and confusion around who I was and what I wanted to do with my life, just that kind of normal phase of life. And yeah, so do you want me to share the I can share it in a short framework, but do you want me to share the story of what led me? Yes. To- yeah, 100 percent. I think that's what's so fascinating. Yeah. Okay, cool. So actually, yeah, I just I just recently shared this story to a friend mm-hmm. and it I just remembering it now. So when I was in college, I lived with one of my best friends and one night I was trying to go to sleep because I had a test the next day and she had some friends over and they were kind of like loud and partying and stuff and I was trying to sleep because yeah, I had this test the next day, but I couldn't, I was tossing and turning. And all of a sudden I started like uncontrollably crying in my room. And I was like, this is weird. I'm like, this really felt like it came out of nowhere, but I was still just like, okay, whatever. Mm. Or maybe I'm just upset and like stressed about the test tomorrow. But then I like lay on my back and I'm at my wall and my room is dark you know, all the lights are off. And I all of a sudden see this shadow of a man on my wall. And I sit up, I'm like, butterflies are in my stomach. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? I turn on the light. I like go out in the hallway. I call my friend over to my room. I'm like, hey, something really odd just happened. I think I just saw the shadow of a man on my wall. And I will say like at the time I was really kind of obsessed with aliens. Like I would, I was living in Arizona and I would drive <laughs> up to Sedona Amazing. to like, the UFO store regularly. So <laughs> my friend was kind of like, okay, uh-huh. sure. I'll come in. But mm-hmm. I was like, no, I swear. I something. <laughs> so, so she came into my room, you know, she sat on my bed, we turned off the light. The first like 30, 45 seconds, you know, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And then a minute later, the shadow of the man comes back. Oh my God, Madeline. I, I know, I know. <laughs> we both are like, oh my God. And I just, like I shared a little before, I, you know, I've always, until I connected with angels, it's like I've always had like night fears and fears of the dark and stuff. So this was like literally one of my like, this is actually happening right now. It was scary. And yeah. so, so we turn on the light, you know, the people who are over come in, one of them, this this guy who is over, he walks into my room and he starts uncontrollably bawling. Oh my God. So, 
Yeah. So I called my mom, even though it was like, you know, two 30 in the morning or something. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, okay, you're safe. Go sleep somewhere else. And I'm going to connect you with like this intuitive that I have been speaking with. Mm. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I slept somewhere else. I talked to this intuitive, I think the next day, and she had asked me, she was like, okay, is there someone who's committed suicide in the area that you know of? It feels like, you know, this, this energy is like an earthbound spirit. And for me at the time, I had no idea. I didn't know what an earthbound spirit was. I, I mean, this hearing all of this was like, what is this? And she told me to get like, put salt on my windows and to like get sage. And I was like, what is sage? Why? But I still like appreciated talking with her. And then she's like, you know, we can connect again. Just give this a couple days and like, let me know how it goes. So then my, some of my friends brought over a Ouija board, oh uh, which I will say, I don't know this story is kind of going on, but no, I, I love it. Okay. I have never in my life before that time or after, like even without knowing, like I remember being in high school and friends would want to use it. And I was always like, no, I'm Mm. not touching that. It just feels like something I'm not interested in connecting with. Yeah. But this time, like after this had happened and they brought it over, there was something in me that was like, that was just a yes, Mm. like let go of what you think or don't think like just, just show up. Mm-hmm. with openness. So my friend and I, the friend who had seen the shadow with me, we sat down. And so I think we may have like said a prayer or something. And then we started using the Ouija board and we asked a few questions, you know, are you human? I wanted to know. And yes, it was human. It wasn't a UFO <laughs> extraterrestrial being, but, and then we asked, what's your name? And so the, the board, you know, moves to different letters and it spells out this last name, this last name that I meant nothing to me, Mm -hmm. but my friend was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you moved it. Did you move it? And I was like, no, I did like what, what's happening. And so basically her, one of her siblings, best friends had committed suicide a couple years prior, maybe like two years prior, and that it was this person's name that had come forward. And so she was really like, what, like, what, what is happening? And she was like, okay, I just want to see if you moved it or not. I'm like, I didn't move it, but she, we asked one question of like, what was the song that was played at, at this person's funeral? And it was moved to DC and it was a death cab for cutie song. Oh my God. I didn't know or anything. So anyway, we, you know, we asked, it was basically, he was asking for her to deliver a message to his family or, and that happened. I talked again to this intuitive after, and that whole week I had felt like really off, really out of myself, really like disconnected and just like, I couldn't focus on anything And so I talked to the intuitive again and she kind of helped talk me through it or she told me what, you know, earthbound spirits are and just said, tell, tell this energy to go to the light. And she also, as she kind of started just connecting more with, with me, she asked if I have, if I've connected with angels and 
I said, no, what are angels? And she said, well, you're an incarnated angel. Wow. And it's like, what does that mean? But I, I got emotional when she, when she told me that, and I didn't really know why, but something in it was, was just resonating with me or just spoke to me. I was like, what does this even mean? And so she, yeah, she said just basically that my, you know, your soul has spent time in the angelic realm and you're here now. You have so much support and assistance of the angels. They're here for you. They're here with you. And so, but she didn't give me like, I mean, this was 2008, 2009. She didn't give me like, read this book or anything. I just kind of received that information. And I think I was just taking it all in still afraid to sleep at night, but I was Googling things about angels, but it was most religious stuff that was showing up. And I think like maybe a few months after that, when I was still having these really intense, like afraid to sleep kind of, I would stay up till dawn because I was like afraid of the dark and more shadows and stuff. I uh, was at visiting my family and there was this book called the healing miracles of Archangel Michael on the table. And I read the book in like a day, basically. And it talks about Archangel Michael is the protector angel, is um, an angel that helps to remove fear, helps with just grounding and confidence and strength, inner strength. And it's uh, Michael's just known as like one of the loudest angels and you can tell his energy because there's a strong sensation of heat. And so I kind of took some of the practices, suggested practices in the book, which specifically talks about like helping if you're afraid to sleep at night and stuff. And so that night I called upon Michael and for the first time in like months, I felt like I started sweating, which is kind of can be one of the signs of Michael's presence is it does get, can get quite hot. I felt like even though the fear was still present in a way, I felt like Michael was holding the fear kind of like a baby and just like, and just, I heard internally, I just heard, felt like I'm safe, that I'm safe, that it's okay. And that it's not like everything magically got better overnight. And at the same time, it was like that night there was a clear improvement and it just, you know, connecting with the angels from then on, I started, you know, reading a lot more books on angels, going to like angel workshops and seminars and stuff. Wow. Uh, And so, and it changed, I mean, it changed my life. I, you know, I'm no longer afraid to sleep alone to sleep. I'm not afraid of the dark. Like I, I feel really, I'm not even afraid of like, I've learned a lot more about like what's sometimes called earthbound spirits. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not afraid. I feel like really empowered in myself around it. And, and it's because of the assistance and the connection with the angels that I feel like I've been able to get to this place. That's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Everything. I had not heard that story of, I didn't know that you had such a deep past of being so afraid at night and then, you know, having a spiritual visitation. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think I've ever, you know, shared about it like at such length. Yeah. 
like publicly or at least like, you know, in this kind of context? Yeah, I think it's really beautiful because I know, you know, for me, I was raised Catholic, but I never were we devout Catholic or et cetera. And but so angels within that world is a common word. But I think, you know, I've shared about angels to my friends who don't have that background. And I think that the first thought a lot of people think is that angels are tied to Christianity. And if you're not, you know, associated with that world, that you might not attach to an- or connect to angels. But what I love so much about your work is it's so universal. And you you go about angels in a way of connecting to the essence and to the, you know, the qualities versus how religion has titled angels or the connotation. Like you've kind of circumvented that. And I really like how you approach it. Do you have people that come to you who have no background with angels, but just feel drawn to to this work? Yeah, absolutely. There's, I think right now, especially because there's, I don't know, religion, everybody tends to have their own story or experience Mm -hmm. with it. So I always make it really clear, especially in like public classes where there are new people that are like, I don't know about this that it's really, it's, you don't have to believe in angels. You don't have to, I I mean, angels to me, just, I always use the metaphor of just as air is largely invisible yet ever present and completely and totally necessary for our, you know, survival in this body. It's like that divine assistance and support, the presence of the angels are just as just as available, just as ever present and let it, let it be an experience that you access in yourself. I also think it's like, I am not attached to the word angels. Like some people's experience of angels is going to be like the sound of the ocean, or it's going to be like the feeling of the sunlight on their skin, or it's going to be how they feel when they do something that they love or, when a synchronistic call comes in or something, it's like, I also don't want to perpetuate the belief that angels are only associated with the happy, positive feeling situations in our life, in our lives. Yet, I also, I'm not trying to, at least in my invitation to, to breathe and to open to the possibility and the reality that they're is a tender, loving touch in hand and presence and intelligence unfolding in our lives. I'm not like, and you must like attribute it to angels because yeah. I, I think that's so limiting. And yeah, I so. love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Cause I think it kind of can help allow the listeners who this might be new to just to kind of relax into into the depths of what we're saying. The other thing that I find fascinating about your background is how you came to this. And I think I've heard you share, but I've never heard in depth about out of school, weren't you living in New York, kind of like down the publishing path, thinking that was your, your calling? And then you got, just full disclosure, I actually pulled an angel card because I'm I'm like that <laughs> before Yay. our before our call. And um, I was just kind of like connecting and tuning into like what the theme of the call should be. And I hate the word should, but the Thanks. first call, I uh, the first card I pulled was Soul's Calling. And I actually really love your story and I'd love to know more about it, whatever you want to share about how you went from, I think it was pub- publishing and, and that whole lifestyle and you shifted out to LA because um, I find it just so brave and like watching your practice grow and all of it. So if you could just give us a background on how you shifted into this as your primary path. 
Yes, I lived in New York before this. And I started out actually once I graduated college, I had got a degree in journalism. It's like my my lifelong dream until like it wasn't anymore was <laughs> to become a magazine editor. Mm. And so I moved to New York after I graduated and I had an internship at Nylon Magazine. Mm. And at the time, like Nylon was I always like loved reading it um, as like a teenager and it was my, that was the magazine I wanted to work at as well. So it was like a dream come true, like interning there. And I just, I went into it really with this attitude of I'm going to be working here like this or something better. I'm going to give this like everything I, I can. And thankfully at that time in my life, I did have I had resources where I I was literally working like full time as an intern there, but could still support myself. And I just loved it. Like I loved every little thing that I could do there. And I, I just held that intention of like, I'm going to be an editor here or something better. And I think that like just that kind of energy and momentum and attitude and just like my way of being there and with the staff, I I became kind of like helpful, I guess, to the editorial staff. So they started giving me some stories and it reached a point after a few months where one of the editors had said, you know, we really like you. There's not a position open, but we just want to like, you know, extend kind of some some extra opportunities your way. And so I basically started to be, I started to go on these press trips, like all over the world. I was, my first one was like, you know, flying, flying first class to like England and Spain to test drive Bentleys in this countryside. (laughs) Crazy. You just had to get that out of your system, you know? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So it's like, honestly, that was my life for like six months. I was flying places almost every other weekend, just being taken care of, you know, going to hotels, going to club openings, going to like shows and interviewing artists and musicians. And hilariously, I did once interview Lil Wayne, which (laughs) is hilarious. Um, I would have paid to be there in that interview. That would have been amazing. Oh my God. I forget that stuff like that happened, but it was so fun. It was amazing. Like I loved it. And especially at like, I was 22 years old at that time. And so it just felt like, it felt like my soul gave me an opportunity to live that career to what it would be like, you know, at the top. Cause that's like, I wasn't, among other interns slash freelancers in, yeah. that, in that time, it was like the editor in chief, the executive editors were there. So it gave me this opportunity to see what it would be like potentially if I continued on that path. But like six months in, just something kind of inwardly just started to feel off. Something in me was like, this isn't how is this helping the world? Like that was my question. And I do want to just clarify now, if anyone's listening, who is a writer in the publishing world, that I don't mean that it's not of service to the world. Like, I think it totally is, especially if it's your calling. Like, I just know for me in that moment, 
the, in that time in my life, like something just was like, Oh, I've lived this. I've lived this to where it's needed to go. And it's time for me to like leave now. Mm -hmm. And that was like, totally terrifying for me because of course that was like, I thought I was going to be doing that my whole life. And I'm like, you know, 22, 23 years old, like, okay, what am I supposed to do from here? I did, you know, gracefully like end up leaving. I still did a little bit of freelance for a couple months. And I, at the time, like all throughout that time, I was also like secretly calling on angels all the time. I was like, (laughs) I feel like they helped me. Like they helped me with the opportunities that I was given. I was, you know, I was still on the, on the weekends and at night, like pulling angel cards and reading my angel and fairy books and leaving offerings for the fairies and like (laughs) New York city parks. Amazing. Uh, So after I left, I did, I kind of, it was a moment of surrender in a way. It was just like a prayer of like, where do I go from here? And, you know, it didn't all magically drop in. I started working with a life coach, like a really fantastic, amazing life coach that assisted. And I learned about University of Santa Monica, which is where I got my master's in spiritual psychology through my life coach. And that just really propelled me into this next evolution where I, I think a year or so after I left the magazine, this is when I I had applied to USM. I was feeling complete with my time in New York and I moved to Venice or to LA Mm -hmm. the end of 2013. And that was, I still like, didn't have I didn't plan on, I didn't know I'd be starting or sharing like what I'm doing today at the time, but I moved here. I started school. I started doing a ton of Kundalini yoga. I started doing like practicing breath work and it was my first breath work class was when I had such a profoundly vivid experience of the angels in Mm. as an experience rather than as a you know, something I'm reading in a book or something like a concept that I'm intellectually attempting to digest. And that was huge for me because even up until that time, as much as I fully believed and could was experiencing the effects of just connecting to deeper to myself, I still didn't feel like I was like, quote unquote, like gifted to connect with angels. I thought you had to be like special, like born with Mm -hmm. it. And it was really, you know, through, through the breath. And I mean, I will Kundalini and spiritual psychology, all of these things, like it did take practice, like it helped open my channel, like refine my intuition And it activated, I think, something that was always there that's inherent in some way in all of us. Mm -hmm. But I really have devoted a lot of time to to cultivating that awareness in myself and continue to cultivate. But it was really through my personal experiences with the breath that I felt guided to start sharing angelic breath healing. Like the name just kind of dropped in one day and... And to share it just as an offering 
to, with the prayer, the intention that, you know, whoever would receive blessings by connecting to their breath and opening to the presence and the assistance of divine support, Mm. you know, may find the class or find the offerings and participate. And that's really, that's how I started. And really that's how I have continued. I, I don't do any like I mean, I share about what I'm offering, but I don't do any like professional marketing or anything like that. It's it's all been mostly through word of mouth, which... Yeah, it's amazing. Like I said, to this day, I'm still so, so in awe of how I even found you. Like, I, I, I don't even know how I found you. I think it was on Instagram, like I said, but it's true. Like, I think that vibrationally we attract in what, you know, like the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really believe that we, we attract our tribe with our own vibration and like with our own intention subconsciously or consciously. And so I think that's a really effective way to attract in authentic people and trust. Yeah. I mean, and I feel so grateful, all the people, including you that I've been able to meet through sharing through sharing this over the last couple of years has been just, I'm just in, in awe really. Yeah. So I just have so much, there's so much I have written down here and I'm trying to, to navigate, but I guess, so that's beautiful. So you shifted from New York, you kind of jumped into this. It sounds like what was like a soul scratch maybe. And you, and you answered the call and you came to California and you dove really into your studies at USM and Kundalini yoga, which I'm also a big supporter of. I think that the technologies of Kundalini are are infinite and vast. So I guess the next thing I wanted to ask you about is, can you kind of tell our listeners what your offerings are before I segue into your retreats? Because I wanted to talk about Shasta just to kind of give you a little bit of foreground. I want to talk about like something I really look up to you with is how you have gone on your own solo pilgrimages to these really sacred places on the earth being Shasta or Avalon, Mm. or I think you've also gone to India, haven't you? No, I haven't actually been to India. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. So can you talk about, we can get more into your offerings maybe towards the end in case the listeners want to follow along with what you offer remotely and in person, but just to give people a background. So Madeline offers, I don't know when your next one is coming up, but I attended a Mount Shasta retreat with her last year. And it was, what what was the theme? It was writing, wasn't it? Last year's was Heartfelt Dreams. Oh my God. And I have to say it was called Heartfelt Dreams. And it was, I'll let her talk about Mount Shasta and the properties of Mount Shasta and the magic of that and how you came across it um, and how it's impacted your life. But I have to say, as a participant, that like four or five day retreat completely shifted my life and it introduced me to some of my best friends who I felt like I've known for lifetimes and the energy of that mountain. And um, so I'm really excited for you to to share about how you go about choosing a place for a retreat and how you create the space and everything, because everything about it was just so divine from the chef you had there with us, uh, making us meals to the hikes to all of, it just felt like it was the non-tourist guide to Mount Shasta. Like you Mm. knew all of the little back channels. And I have, like, I experienced some of the most like wonder filled moments ever, like up at the Lumerian portals in those fields. And with all those women, it was really magical. So how do you go about that? And 
I guess just, yeah. Like, what do you want to say about your retreats? Yeah. So, I mean, the retreats are, it's not like I think in myself, okay, where do I want to lead a retreat or what do I want the theme to be? It's, it's more like it comes from within in a way. And going specifically to Mount Shasta, that was just, it was a, it was a calling. I had heard about it a couple years ago. And then it was like every, every person that I talked to or was like, have you been to Mount Shasta yet? You have to go, you have to go, you have to go. And so eventually I, I went, I, I went there solo. And I did ask some friends for recommendations because it's kind of, if you've ever been there, it's a little, it's quaint because the town is really cute and small, but the mountain to me at least felt like so immense. And like, what do I even, how do I even like navigate this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just I, a guide that a friend recommended my first time there, I went up with a guide who took me to some different places on the mountains. So I felt like I just had the experience of connecting to, to the land and to just the really special energy that's in Mount Shasta. Mm. And I kind of like digested that experience and, and went again and, I, this time I didn't hire a guide, but I just went up into the mountains and was just like, okay, you know, whatever I'm meant to experience, like may it unfold Mm -hmm. with grace. And I'm literally in the middle of, if you've ever been on Mount Shasta, there's like these elven, really tall trees and you, it looks like being in the elven forest. Yeah. They're amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So, so special. So I'm just kind of walking around, you know, no, it's like a weekday in May. No one else is really there. But all of a sudden I hear someone like say, are you Madeline? (laughs) I turn around. I'm like, yeah, like this woman just happened to be in the middle of the forest as well. Same place as me. And she had somehow she was following me on Instagram and I don't have like a ton of Instagram followers. So it was kind of like, oh, oh, that's, this is like so specific. And she actually leads, like she lives there and leads like guides on Mount Shasta. So she was just like, you know, I happen to have like an open space now and or like a client had pushed back or something. So she took me to some of these really special places on the mountain and that I had like, just such, such beautiful experiences at which now influence where kind of I lead retreats and where I bring people on the mountain. Mm. It's kind of like when friends go to Mount Shasta and they're like, where do I go? I'm like, I can't tell you like turn at this, you know, tree and (laughs) like turn right at the rock with the bush next to it. Yeah. It's all, Um, it's all secret or it's all unmarked, I guess. Yes. Yes. And so just, I know that I kind of, just to give the overview of kind of my experience there, I just answered a call in a way. And I always go, or at least it's always my intention to travel places and meet it with like no expectation and, and just like reverence and just to be like happy to be there. I think that's, that's also how I related to my time at the magazine. I just, I wasn't expecting anything. I was just kind of happy to be there and 
giving it what I could. And I find like that, that energy of reverence has actually been the most powerful co-creator in my own, in my life. And I think that's in a way, like that's also the energy of like with retreats, I, there's a special kind of magic in a way that unfolds because Mm -hmm. I can have a plan, but it's really, you know, the group energy informs so much of what we end up doing and where we end up going. I'm not really someone who I do like to have structure. It's Mm -hmm. really important, but I also like to just, I'm not attached to what I may have in the schedule. It's kind of like sensing into the group and, and what does, what does the group need? Where does the kind of need to go. And I think just that level of flexibility in the space also just makes so much room for some of the things you can't even plan, like you meeting people and friends that you've felt connected to like for lifetimes, but just happen to yeah. meet there. It's like creating a space for our souls and spirit to work its magic. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So if you're listening and you're and you're wondering what is the magic of Mount Shasta, I've never heard of Mount Shasta. Can you give people like a quick rundown of what the special, I mean, I don't want to just tell people really quickly like what Mount Shasta is, I guess, or what it's known for. Yes. So Mount Shasta, it's in Northern California. It's, it's about three and a half hours north of Sacramento, an hour south of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And it is known as, there's a lot of like mythology around it. It's known as the mountain itself is said to have this mythical city in it called Telos, where like the Lumerian people, which the Lumeria is said to be a, a time on the planet where we lived in harmony with nature. And the Lumerian people or beings on the mountain, like there's some stories of spot, like people spotting them. They're said to be like really tall and, you know, have a kind of a strong, like luminous presence to them and are said to like live in the fifth dimension. It's also known to be like a kind of a, for interstellar energies, it's said to be a like a landing place or a place where a lot of different energies from different star systems can come through into earth. It's said to be a vortex. Some say it's the root chakra of the earth. Others say it's the crown chakra of the earth. And I think it's really important. This is something that isn't, I guess, in the, in the main myths about Mount Shasta. It's like Shasta, even the name comes from the Shasta people, like the native and there's places on the mountain where you can, there's original place of like where they lived is in the mountain, on the mountain. And they are said to have, you know, communicated with the star people. And I think I'm in no way qualified to be speaking about this in a certain extent, but at the same time, I feel like that's a huge missing piece is that this is if we take away the like, I mean, I think a spiritual appropriation of like Shasta's a vortex and Lumerians live in the mountains. This is actually a place of sacred, sacred, sacred land that was tended to by the Shasta Native American people for perhaps, you know, hundreds, thousands of years. And I think it's really 
you know, my prayer is that the land be returned to to them. And and yet I also see how and can honor how that relationship, reverence with nature and spirit and the stars and, and sacred spaces are it doesn't go away if it's still like written in the fabric of the land there. And that's something in recent trips I've been more present to that I've just been more reverent to in a way. And that to me feels like a truer piece of the story. It it just, I'm not saying that the Lumerian consciousness isn't connected to Shasta. I've only had experiences of just the power and the potency of the energy. But I also think that there's a lot of misunderstandings in how it's shared about, or even people who I don't who like go there and and with a certain perspective. If yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like exploiting the magic in a way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I find that really beautiful, and I have to say, Madeline, like that's one reason why I'm so drawn to your work is that I think I love how you always find this way because. I'll just reflect back to you. Like you're very humble in your offerings, even though your your offerings have had a profound effect in my own personal life and uh, from your breath work and to your teachings. And yet you are someone who kind of seems to like stay below the radar. And then every once so often you come out with this beautiful writing or a beautiful perspective about a trend in, I hate to even say it a trend because it could be a truth for others, but you really have a way of distilling the essence of the fray. And that kind of leads me into a segue. I wanted to talk about your time in Avalon, but before we go there, I think it's really beautiful about the exploitation of these sacred places and these sacred ideas. I think I recently read a post that you shared about, um, and I talked to you prior to the call about this, is, a, is the idea of the word manifestation right now being such a buzzword. And there are so many courses on how to manifest the life of your dreams. And I think we all saw it with the secret that came out 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I think that even now it's still kind of floating in the realms of wellness and just in general, like the idea that we have that we can co-create. But what I what you recently shared that really impacted me is that oftentimes we hear this and we think that we're still the doer in it and that we're forgetting about the grace. And I just, I found that so refreshing. And um, can you kind of just like give your, your two cents on that and your perspective about the manifestation process and how maybe perhaps we can invite in grace to that equation? Yeah, I mean, this is such a, again, such a, such a rich and <laughs> I know multifaceted topic that I could you talk know, write a, like a dissertation about, but <laughs> we'll do my best to it's like, share something yeah. in essence here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Madeline, can you please talk about the concept of infinity and go? <laughs> That's kind of how these questions are sounding, but it really impacted me just because, you know, I've been doing this like manifestation work in the past and I'm, I'm finding results in it, but I, you don't hear a lot of people talking about grace behind it. And, Mm. and I just think for me, sometimes that can be the magic sauce. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, to start just starting with the invitation that like, I truly believe that our heartfelt dreams and desires and yearnings are like 
heaven sent are come from our soul and spirit and that we wouldn't have the the impulse to experience it if it wasn't you know part of something that was calling us forward it's like even if you like look at a child or a baby it's like they're so excited to like grow and to walk and to talk and to move into the next evolution of their bodies and i think in manifestation or co-creation, it's like, it can be that kind of impulse of feeling like, what are you expanding into? And I think that's really important. It's really beautiful. And it's part of the human experience is like, okay, I want to keep evolving and reaching for reaching for the next step while I can still like honor and experience the space I'm in now. It's like, where do I want to go from here? And I think the misunderstanding can come from, it can be a limited understanding when someone's say, wanting to create a specific experience or outcome in their life and yet are faced with incredible challenges and experiences that are like, wow, did I attract this because of I wasn't thinking positive or because I didn't do the practice right or because I guess I must have just made this this thing happen that's really unfortunate and and really hard to go through. What I don't see a lot of people, you know, speaking to is and this is something that I've has been such a lifetime of learning for me and I certainly feel like there's, you know, still so much to learn in it, but my understanding of it is we have, we come into this human form with spiritual curriculum and it's truly, it's a platform of learning. Earth is a school for learning. And if co-creating certain experiences in your life are going to assist with that learning, like great there, it can, it'll unfold if certain things that are really challenging and hard to go through are part of your learning. It's like, it's just as fruitful as the beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And we started this talk or this conversation. I spoke about compassion Mm -hmm. that to me, like compassion and grace kind of go hand in hand. It's like compassion resides in the darkest places of the psyche. Compassion resides in the most grieving, painful, traumatic situation. Compassion resides in the highest, most blissful states of joy and of what we may call healing, of what we may call just like peace and and beauty and delight. And I feel like just the evolution of humanity is it's a dawning of greater compassion for ourselves, for each other, for this experience. And so I think manifestation, even just that word, it it feels limiting to me, even if you created all the things you wanted in your life and they just magically appeared. It's like, it's still going to be limiting if there's not space for the deeper, what I would call the, the deeper meaning that's available through opening to like, what are you learning through this experience? And how is this contributing to like the evolution of your experience as a soul, like having a human experience? I know not everybody is here to like have where that awareness is of no interest or it's not present for them at this, 
at this time and that's okay. Mm. I just, you know, I bring this, this forward because I have, I have compassion for the parts of myself that are like, well, why hasn't this happened in my life? Why did this happen? And it, it won't make sense in the context of like, I'm personally a pretty I can be pretty disciplined and devoted to certain practices. <laughs> and if like things aren't unfolding that way, then it's still another trick or trap that mm-hmm. the mind thinks it can, it can control this experience when yeah. it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so beautifully put. And I, I hyper relate to that because I too, I think that this idea of a sp- quote unquote spiritual path or angelic realms or light field experiences, et cetera, has, has the branding, I guess, because we, we live in an age of branding where everything has to be positive or every, and if it's mm-hmm. not positive, then it's a reflection of our inner state or of our, of our whatever. But I love, and I know that you've spoken on this as well, that we have to encompass the shadow as well, like our angelic and our animalistic tendencies and, and to not, not to shut out. And just because we, you know, have angelic tendencies doesn't mean that we don't have the opposite and that we can't make room for that. And I think that there's such a fear to really fully dive into the shadow side. And I'll speak for myself, like, you know, at times the shadow can just feel so overwhelming, but I'm learning, you know, in my thirties now that it's a very necessary thing to do in order to, to ascend higher, or I guess it's just what this boils down to and and maybe you relate or not, but the idea of I'm here in a human body now, so I may as well embody what it is to be a human and not try to live as though I'm an angel in a human body. Does that make sense? Yes, completely. And I'm so glad too you bring this forward because I mean, this is something even in the last couple of days I've been really present to is, is like the, even the angelic realm or, or even the elemental realm or fairy realm, it's like, you can get stuck there. Like, and I did get stuck there at a time in my life where it was like, why am I not there anymore? Why am I here? How can I live more of my life there? And it's like the angelic realm is, I mean, it's a beautiful, unconditionally loving space and presence, and it filters into the human experience and it's part of it. And yet we're in this human form, this human body to have an experience of contrast which includes the depths of what we call darkness to that actually being the paradoxes, actually sitting in and accepting and being in the spaces of like suffering help to actually like stop labeling it as darkness or shadow or as something that's the opposite of light. And it's just, it's, it's really all part of it. Mm -hmm. The 360. That's beautiful. What are some of your embodiment practices? Because I know that you also teach on embodiment. Like for someone who is listening maybe and they're resonating, what are some basic embodiment practices that you turn to in times like when you're finding yourself pulled in different directions? Yeah. So I, I mean, simple ones, like I love dancing. Mm -hmm. That's just like, (laughs) but dancing, like me too. it's like unofficial dance. It's just like movement. It's, Mm -hmm. it's dance that just lets my body move how it wants to move in that, like simple kind of practices of just shaking out the body moves a lot of energy. I'll kind of put my hands in fists and like, with a lot of pressure as if I'm just kind of, kind of like a, 
I want to say like I'm hitting down my body with this, but it's, it's meant to, it's like a body awakening practice. And those are like simple things that I turn to. I mean, just like stretching, moving, how I like non-linear movement, just like letting my body move how it wants to move. And I find that that's actually such a portal to like a deeper connection and awareness that helps like move through the, I don't know, the stuckness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Inevitably present. Yeah, yeah. That's so beautiful. And I think I've also heard you talk about like grounding on the earth, like putting your feet on the earth or just spending time in nature. Like you're such a nature buff. And so I, (laughs) yeah, like, I mean, you live in the forest in Topanga, so. Yes. Yeah. Nature is all, I mean, nature for sure. Like putting our feet on the earth, laying on the earth, spending time in nature. I feel like that's an instant reset. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we're so blessed here in, in California to have all the all the things, like all the trees, all the ocean, et cetera. Yes. Well, and I just want to say, if you don't, if you live in a city or somewhere where that's not your reality, like part of the embodiment movement practices in your body is honoring that you actually are nature. You are an expression of nature and that some of the movement or just even connecting deeper with yourself can give you an experience of walking in a forest for an hour or something. It's just like opening to that space in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that reminder. It's true. Like for me, sometimes I know like when I'm stuck at my office all week and it's just like office house, office house, like I, I will often turn to salt baths, like uh, Epsom yeah. salt baths, stuff like that, you know, but thank you. So before we wrap up and before you tell everyone what your offerings are and how they can find you, et cetera, quickly, like another reason I'm so, I'm so drawn to your message is it seems as though you have a big affinity for mother Mary and just that gentle compassion that she embodies or Mary Magdalene. And I, I have to say that you actually turned me on to some of my favorite books, like, um, Anna, the grandmother of Jesus, which I'll have in the show notes below. It's such a beautiful book. And I know that your time in England with Rebecca Campbell, who you've helped her lead retreats, I believe, into that whole dimension of Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, et cetera. Can you just talk on that for people who I have a feeling that a lot of the listeners on this show will kind of already have their their feet wet in that realm? But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I mean where to start. (laughs) So that, yes, like to me, Christ consciousness is like an energy of, of unconditional loving. And there's certain places on the planet like Avalon or places in England included where that line of energy has a lot of history, like the Chalice Well, the White Spring, even like in the Glastonbury Abbey, there's like a was a tree that Joseph of Arimathea was said to have planted there in Anna, grandmother of Jesus or the second book, which is Anna voice of the Magdalene's. It talks, I can't remember if it's in the first or second, but it does talk about how Jesus is said to have, you know, done some of his initiations in the Glastonbury, like in the hill underneath the Glastonbury tour. So there's like, there's a lot of history that you won't find in most history books that are, connected to these places. I think I've found in myself and for people who are connected to the place that it's, it's just, it's a 
calling. Um, it's a calling and I've had the calling to the UK since I was, I think nine years old. And I've spent a lot of time there where I now feel like it's more integrated in me. I'm not, I don't really have that. I have to go there. I have to be there. It still feels like a homecoming for me. It's less like something that I feel like I have to do or go to. And just to answer like with, with mother Mary and Mary Magdalene and that kind of line of energy, I think I just honor that everyone can have intimate relationships with different energies. And for me, the Christ energy, like Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene, especially since I've become more sensitive and open to just connecting deeper inside, these energies have just always felt like like guides or present for me. It's I feel like I'm less, it's less about putting even Mother Mary or Mary Magdalene on a pedestal, but more honoring that in their human life, they open to embody this, like particularly with Mother Mary, like she is an embodiment of compassion. And we put Mother Mary on on a pedestal, or at least, you know, yeah. I have. And I'm not saying that she's not like extra holy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that... I feel just the greater, like the source, like the energy of God or of the divine that it works with each of us to bring through an energy of of spirit. And we can see in these stories and in these experiences how their embodiment had such an effect on this planet. And for me, it's it's just felt like a, a guiding light. Mm. Yeah, thank you. It's so, I think it's important. The idea for me, at least, is I really had to, in my relationship to these divine figures that, you know, I've always viewed of outside of myself is to kind of take them off of the pedestal and view them as a friend. Because really, truly, like, what is the point I'm finding for myself? It's much easier when I feel to open up to that energy, to call upon it, to to share the darkest moments with an energy that feels more like a friend than someone that, or than something that is above me looking (laughs) down. And so thank you for that callback or that reminder that the pedestal can sometimes really muck it up. Yeah, of course. And that was the learned thing for me. I mean, wherever you're at and you're like, what, whatever is present for you, it's, it's like, it's, it's really all part of it. And learning comes from experience. And, and I mean, that was, this is, sounds like for both of us, you know, we've had experiences of that relationship evolving and shifting as we did. Yeah. Amen to that. I think my little plug for the future for your next retreat is I really, I know you've hinted towards it, but I really want you to do a retreat in Egypt at the pyramids. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like Becca and I and Larimar, we really want to do it. And um, I keep waiting because didn't you kind of hint towards maybe having one there in the future? Yes. I know a friend actually lives there and there's apparently you can do these Nile boat tours or something oh where you have a houseboat and like journey down the Nile. Oh. So yeah, I mean, I haven't, I would want to go to Egypt first, I think, yeah. but I know there's been some other people who are leading retreats and things there. Yeah, I do have like Shasta is kind of like an annual thing now that's for sure happening next year over the 
equinox. It's going to be 17th through the 21st of September. Okay. Good to know. I truly can't say enough about your Shasta retreat. So if you have, if you're listening and your ears are perked up, definitely reach out to myself or Madeline for more information about that. So I guess, thank you so much. In, in closing, I just like, before we get into what you how people can, you know, work with you or what you offer. Uh, do you have a word? I, I hate putting words on years ahead, but is there a word that's that's present for you around 2020? Because 2020 for me, I hate, like I say, forecasting years and, and all mm-hmm. of it, but it really does feel like a new energy coming in and it kind of feels like a wave that's inevitably coming forward. Do you, is there anything like a word or a feeling that you want to call in for for the next year ahead? Yeah. I mean, I kind of sound like a broken record. Compassion. (laughs) Yeah. So beautiful. I I just had such a profound experience in the last few days where I've really, I've become clear that that's like why I'm here on the planet is to experience compassion and to, to learn more, to have a learning in this human form about compassion. And that feels like my purpose. And so I wasn't aware of it to this like experiential level until like these last few days, honestly feels like a word for my lifetime, but because it's so present now, I feel like I did have another word a few weeks ago, but it just feels like that's the word that's carrying me into the next era. I love it. Yeah. To me, compassion is like the highest. Yeah. I don't want to put titles on it, but thank you for sharing that. It's, um, it's beautiful. Thank you. What is your word? I'm curious. Yeah. I, the word reveal and embody keep coming to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Radio. I love that. Yeah. I'm, um, you know, it kind of goes into the theme of our conversation today of living out in the ethereal realms and exploring all of the non-tangible realms. But I think for 2020, it's going to be about bringing it back into my body, literally, and just grounding into the embodiment of everything. So how can people follow along? What are your plans for the future? What is like, where do you see yourself going in the next few years? And then if you can tell people what your offerings are and how they can follow along, I know we've touched on your retreats, but how can they find you? Yeah. So to find me, my website is angelicbreathhealing.com and my current offerings are retreats. As we've discussed, Um, I offer one-on-one mentorship, which is deeper dive. We work together over a period of six months. And this is really for people who are seeking assistance, kind of navigating through the completion of one chapter or era of their life and into another tend to really work with people that are experiencing like a big going through a big transformation spiritually. And that's, yeah, like probably the deeper dive one-on-one work I offer. I do also one-on-one sessions. There's online classes. It's all on the website. And in terms of like moving ahead in the future, like where do I see myself? I I definitely in in 2020 I actually want to start like writing writing a book. Mm. And yeah, so beautiful, kind of daunting. But I think just continued sharing too. And I don't have like a five year plan because yeah. I just find things happen. Yeah. <laughs> in six months instead of five years. But Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, my, my intention is just to continue, you know, serving and, and having fun. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so excited. And if you're here, I know, I know you just mentioned it, but if you are 
a local to Los Angeles, definitely check out Madeline's in-person sessions. You're you're doing them weekly now, right? At the I know I'm not anymore. No? I'm actually okay. I've switched to monthly, both in Topanga, and then I'll likely continue doing some in Venice. Okay, uh, definitely in Topanga. Ah, uh, well, if you ever have a chance to experience it live with her, I cannot just like from the music you play to the everything. It's just full encompassing. It's a full on experience. So it's really beautiful. Um, Jane. Yeah, of course. And then, so lastly, are there, because I always, since I've known you, I've always turned to you for books. Like you've always been the queen of the (laughs) best books. Like uh, just really quickly, like shout out to, like I said, Anna, grandmother of Jesus. And then you turned me on to the silver wheel by Ellen Tompkins, Mm -hmm. which is life changing, not to like front load it, but are there any fun books that you're reading over the holiday season that you would, that you want to plug? Yeah. Well, the books I'm currently reading are all kind of trauma resolution books. I would recommend like some books that I really have loved over the years. It's like Angels in My Hair by Lorna Byrne is one of my favorites. Um, My favorite book on fairies is called Summer with the Leprechauns by Tannis Helliwell. Okay. And I mean, I always love The Alchemist. I feel like most people know the book, but those are like fun Starting point, but deep, like, yeah, I think those are, I would recommend those. Oh, beautiful. Well, I, we totally forgot to talk about, I can leave this in or not, but we forgot to talk about your herbalism background, but um, uh-huh. I know. so uh-huh. just, yeah, quick shout out, Madeline, you're also an herbalist, right? Yes. I'm, I trained just at the Gaia school here in Topanga. Uh, and I just want to say like, you always have you post about them sometimes too, right? Like really beautiful infusions or sometimes you have them in your sessions. Yes. Yeah. I love, I mean, in-person clients receive them and yeah, sometimes my in-person classes, I'll make them, Mm. but yeah, the, the making infusions, herbal infusions have been really supportive for me over the last few years, especially in just grounding and integrating deeper into my body. I mean, I, I had a daily nettle infusion for, I think like a year and a half and just really noticed a whole shift. And, and it's just, I mean, connecting to nature, it's like we are in this symbiotic relationship with nature. And so connecting to the plants can just assist in fostering that connection and support that's available to us. Mm. Yeah, it's very powerful. And then what is your Instagram handle if people want to uh, reach out to you there? Oh, yes. It is Madeline underscore Giles, G-I-L-E-S. Awesome. Okay. Well, Madeline, thank you so much. I hope you have a really nice holiday season and thank you for your time. I'm just really grateful to you always. Like, um, Also, just a little side plug, Taylor. Do you know Taylor? Well, you know Taylor, uh, Becca's friend. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. He actually recorded the intro or not the intro, the oh jingle. Yeah. Amazing. So I was at his place last week and, and I was telling him how Becca and I, which if you're listening, Becca's a close friend of mine that I met through Madeline and we'll have her on later. But 
Madeline. And so Taylor was like, look at it. It's like a tree. It's like Madeline and Anna or Anna, I think. And then Becca yes. and then you. And I was like, oh my God, this <laughs> is such a cool community. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I haven't so. seen him in so long. I would love to connect with I, him. Soon. Yeah. It's like, uh, we're all connected. So yes. thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Jane. Okay. Bye. All right. Have a beautiful night. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye. bye. Thanks, guys, for listening all the way to the end. Wasn't that an amazing episode with Madeline? She is truly phenomenal, if you ask me. I will have all of her links below. If you're curious about more of her work and you want to explore what she has to offer. And thank you again for tuning in. If you want to know more about what we're up to here, you can uh, check out theorbitofvenus.com and or subscribe below. I will be releasing a new episode every Friday, sometimes more than one. So stay tuned for that. We're also on Instagram at theorbitofvenus. Yeah, just thank you so much for being here and I will talk to you soon. 